Hey guys, the case I have for you today, I found while scrolling through Instagram. It's ongoing and nothing short of absolutely terrifying. There's someone out there right now that needs our help. Thank you for joining me today on Those Murder Girls Podcast. A few things before we get started. I wanted to shout out to my newest patrons. You guys are amazing. We have Kathy S., Jose M., Brandy A., and Eddie T. Thank you guys for your support and thank you for your super kind messages. You guys are awesome. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so easily by going to patreon.com and searching for Those Murder Girls podcast. It's super easy. It takes like two minutes and it's so appreciated. You guys can also donate by going to buymeacoffee.com or through PayPal using the email address murdergirls at thosemurdergirlspodcast.com. This show is all about you guys. I love producing it, and I want nothing more than to continue to drop ad-free episodes. I listen to so many different podcasts, and I just love the ones that are ad-free. So with your guys' support and generosity, I can do that. I can keep every single episode ad-free. All right, now on to today's case. We all need to share this episode, especially if you're living north of the U.S. in Canada. So I had to pull the original recording late Thursday night because of a huge development that was announced. So I had to go back, re-research, rewrite my whole script, re-record it over again, edit, and then now here we are. But there are still a ton of questions in this case that the Ontario Provincial Police, also known as the OPP, need help with. Elnaz Hajj Tamiri, also known as Tamiri, was born in Iran where she spent a majority of her life. That is when she wasn't out traveling the world and before she moved to the greater Toronto area in 2019. She's the youngest of her parents' children and Elnaz grew up in a tight-knit family where she was supported and loved by her parents, her extended family, and an amazing circle of friends. She graduated with a degree in international insurance and she married the love of her life. His name was Farnam around 2010. So Farnam was a successful veterinarian in Tehran, Iran, and together the two lived a beautiful life full of travel, culture, and most importantly, it was full of love. Farnam tragically passed away in 2017 after a short bout of lung disease, leaving Elnaz absolutely heartbroken. Seven years with Farnam wasn't nearly enough. They had plans. They had so much more love to give one another and to share with the world. Wanting her late husband's life and legacy to live on and just being the most caring and giving soul, Elnaz took their savings and built a school in Iran for underprivileged girls. So focus on starting this next unexpected chapter of her life, Elnaz evaluated her current wants, needs, and dreams and decided on moving west to beautiful Canada. In Canada, she had so many family members and friends that she had known for most of her life. She settled into her new house comfortably and she found work that she enjoyed with an import-export company, but her dream was to establish herself as a professional baker, specifically creating beautiful custom cakes. So being the powerhouse that she was, she checked that dream off of her bucket list and began baking. 
Her other passions among baking were wine and candle making. She's such a calm, confident soul. She's an entrepreneur with big dreams, and that showed in her goals and her interests. So after moving away from Iran, Elnaz continued to send money to the school that she had opened in her late husband's name, as well as different organizations that were close to her heart. That's who Elnaz was. She was very charitable and just an honorable woman. Charities, her family said, were the center of her world. Whether it was supporting an orphanage, providing education, she was there for it. She was there volunteering, she was behind the scenes, and advocating on social media. And now, here I am, along with a few others that have picked up her story, advocating for her through podcasting and social media. A couple years after Elnaz had moved to Canada, she met a man named Mohammed Lilo, who was about 33 years old at the time. So the two dated, not too much is known about him. And that's because Elnaz never really talked about him, not in a good way and not in a bad way. In the Iranian culture, that would translate into her not being that serious about him or the relationship. If she would have been, she would have gushed about him when someone asked, but that wasn't the case. Elnaz broke things off with Mohammed in October 2021, so about six months ago. Following this breakup, a series of very unfortunate events began to unravel with no real explanation as to why and if they were all connected or not. Because at this moment, we don't know if they're connected. But with the announcement that was made on Thursday, I'm sure developments are going to start being released and I'm going to do the best I can to keep up with them. So about two months following the breakup on December 21st, 2021, Elnaz was with an unknown person, likely a friend of hers because they were together, sitting in her car in the parking garage of her Richmond Hill apartment. This is when Elnaz is violently ripped from the driver's seat of her car. She's kicking and screaming and yelling for help. Elnaz did everything she could to try to fight off this unprovoked attack. The man that attacked her beat her violently over the head with a frying pan. You heard that. It's a very strange weapon, yes, but we'll take a frying pan over a gun or a knife. So the altercation continued for far too long before a resident of the apartment came out of the elevator into the parking garage, running towards the chaos, scaring the attacker and his accomplice who was waiting in the passenger seat of a car away. This is so wild, it's so unreal. So evidence showed that one of the men recorded this attack on Elnaz with his cell phone. So absolutely frightened out of her mind, Elnaz is rushed up to the lobby of the apartment building where 911 is called. Police and ambulance arrive ready to assist, ready to administer medical care, you know, something that we would appreciate. Yet Elnaz was so frightened from this attack that she was frantic telling her friend and the others that were around her that she didn't believe that the ambulance was a legit service. She thought that whoever was behind the attack was also in that ambulance, like somebody in there was going to hurt her. And so she refused to accept any medical care, let alone get near the vehicle or the first responders. And I question, like, why did she feel that way? Like, maybe she was just disoriented from the attack, or maybe she was threatened previously and she just didn't tell anybody about it. So Elnaz was treated at a local hospital for injuries to the back of her head, including a cracked skull and stitches in the center of her forehead for a gash that was caused by that frying pan. The gash is brutal. I posted a picture of it on social media, so check it out at Those Murder Girls podcast. 
So police had advised Elnaz to not return to her home for a while. Like, who knew if the men were coming back and the police needed to do their job to make sure that her home was secure. The OPP has strict procedures and policies to follow in this type of situation. Obviously, this was a targeted attack, and who knew if those men were going to come back? So Elnaz decided that she was going to go stay with her family about an hour away in Wasaga Beach, Ontario. So Elnaz stayed with her family into the 2022 New Year, still feeling nervous, scared, and just really uncomfortable with, you know, that attack. A few days after the new year, an uncle of Elnaz gets a call from her one afternoon, and Elnaz asks if he can please sit down so she could talk to him. So her uncle was really concerned by her tone and why it was necessary for him to sit down before they continued their conversation, but he did as she had asked him. So the conversation turned grim and her uncle's heart sank when Elnaz said to him, if anything happens to me, please forgive me. He didn't quite understand and was confused and scared himself by the conversation, but it continued on and the two began to discuss that attack in the parking garage. Elnaz told him that she had no idea who those two men were in the frying pan attack, that she had never seen them, not ever. And she told him that she remembered the men realizing that she had a passenger in her car. And as soon as they did, they immediately ran over to go grab that person too. But before they had the chance to, that resident had walked off the elevator coming to Elnaz's rescue. So during this call, Elnaz just sounded so broken and so sad, which obviously made her uncle feel the same way, just sad and confused. And he wanted to help her, but he didn't know how. But at the time, everybody felt like Elnaz was in the safest place she could be staying with her family in Wasaga Beach. Elnaz had allowed the police to confiscate her vehicle as evidence in the parking garage attack, along with her cell phone and laptop, which she wanted forensically examined for any sort of tracking devices. About three weeks later, police had made contact with her, letting her know that all of her belongings were ready to be picked up. But all was not okay because they had found another GPS tracker located on her car. Yes, I said another. You see, a short time before the parking garage attack in November, her lease on her vehicle was coming to an end. But instead of trading it in for something new, she wanted to buy that car. So she took it to the dealership where they did an inspection and the technicians found two GPS trackers on it. Freaked out, Elnaz took those devices to the OPP, letting them know that they had just been found on her vehicle and she was freaked out about her safety. So at this time, we, the public, don't know if that third tracker that was found by police was on her car all along or if it was newly placed there after the other two were removed from the dealership. Regardless, Elnaz purchased that car as she had planned to, taking it, her laptop, and her phone back with her to Wasaga Beach. So the day is now Wednesday, January 12th, 2022, just two days after picking up her belongings from the police station. Elnaz is inside the Wasaga Beach home on Trailwood Place in a very well-to-do area, just relaxing, watching TV, when a group of three dark-skinned men come to the door. A family member of Elnaz's opened the door and was overpowered by these three men who were dressed in police uniforms. They identify themselves as police, saying that they have a warrant for Elnaz's arrest, calling her by her full legal name. So the family member standing at the door is just trying to process this like this is not something that would happen in Elnaz's name. 
she would never commit any sort of crime. She wasn't involved in any organized crime. It just wouldn't happen. So not only was her family member confused and suspicious right out of the gate, but as they're trying to process this claim of an arrest warrant, they happen to look down and they notice that the men are all wearing just ordinary shoes. Like one guy was wearing a pair of like white sneakers. And although the police uniforms they were wearing looked pretty legit, turns out they were not official. So the men become very aggressive and they overtake this family member that's at the door, making their way inside of the house. They grab Elnaz. She's kicking and screaming, trying to break free from these attackers as they drag her out of the house and into a waiting car. So Elnaz is, I just said, kicking and screaming. She has no shoes on. She just has a long sleeve top on and some leggings. A family member runs out of the house frantic, running through the neighborhood, banging on doors, screaming for help, asking someone to please come out and help in this desperate situation or call 911. Elnaz is forced into this white SUV, which at the time was believed to be a late model Lexus RX. This vehicle has been found. It was actually stolen the night before and abandoned a few hours after Elnaz's kidnapping. Elnaz's family members watched and listened in absolute horror as Elnaz screamed for her life inside of the SUV while her kidnappers stripped her of her watch and her cell phone, throwing them both out onto the ground into the freshly fallen snow. And at this point, she's still screaming. So the SUV sits in front of the house for about a minute. Family members can hear Elnaz inside and then suddenly the screaming stops. The windows of the SUV are tinted so no one can see what's going on inside and why the screaming stopped. The SUV, it's really weird, didn't take off as soon as Elnaz was inside. It had stayed there for about a minute before leaving, which is kind of puzzling. Like, what was going on inside? Police began working on Elnaz's kidnapping from the jump, but remained really tight-lipped on any information or evidence only releasing the still photos of the first two men in the frying pan attack and noting that the three men in the kidnapping were wearing those police uniforms and that they had dark skin. Elnaz's family began advocating and pleading for information, sharing her photos daily on social media. Like, I think there are at least three posts a day on social media, not counting countless stories. The breakup between Elnaz and Mohammed hasn't been connected to her kidnapping publicly, but Mohammed was arrested nine days after Elnaz's kidnapping for some criminal harassment charges that took place before she was kidnapped. As terms of the charges that he's facing, he is not to be in the town that Elnaz resides in. Mohammed had a court hearing last week. Not many details were released about that, just that he's going back to court again on April 26th. There were questions as to if Mohammed was one of the men in that parking garage attack. I never really thought that that was the case. I didn't think that Mohammed looked like either of the men. Maybe because I'm Middle Eastern, so I kind of recognize the differences between those two men and Mohammed. I don't know. But now we know for sure that the two men in the parking garage attack were not Mohammed. Two men have been positively identified in that attack. 23-year-old Raisat Singh and 23-year-old Harsh Deep Binner. Both men are from Brampton. So Raisat was arrested at his home on Wednesday on a warrant and a bunch of charges including attempted murder, attempted kidnapping, 
possession of property obtained by a crime over $5,000 and mischief under $5,000. So that is great news. But Harshdeep is still at large with a Canada-wide warrant with his name on it. He is so dangerous, he has to be found. They are so much closer now to finding Elnaz, and I have a strong feeling that she is being held captive. I don't know if she's okay, but I have a feeling that she is alive, and I hope, hope, hope that's the case. Because I feel like if somebody wanted to severely hurt her, they wouldn't have attacked her with a frying pan. I feel like that incident was a botched kidnapping, and I feel like the three men that went into her family's Wasaga Beach home weren't there to kill her either, or else they would have. It would have been much easier for them to make an irreversible choice rather than struggle with the kidnapping. I believe that whoever is behind this wants her alive, and it's absolutely terrifying. I hope she's alive. I hope she's okay, considering all of these circumstances. So multiple neighbors in the Wasaga Beach neighborhood told authorities that they had noticed a bearded man in the neighborhood earlier on the day that Elnaz was kidnapped. He was driving a car, the car was parked in the neighborhood, and he had something covering the license plate. I'm not sure if this man was dark-skinned as the three men who were that came to the door and kidnapped her, but the police listened to the neighbors and they're investigating this unknown bearded man. Early on, Elnaz's family had hired a private investigator and a personal attorney who have been hot on this case, working independently and alongside the police. And they have actually been able to turn over evidence to the police to assist in the investigation. And these professionals, they question some of the investigation in relation to Elnaz's case. They don't believe that a forensic examination on her car, phone, and laptop could have been done thoroughly within the three-week period that the authorities had with those items. They claim that a forensic analysis of this nature would take much longer. They question whether authorities took Elnaz's case from the beginning at that parking garage attack seriously, saying that authorities have strict policies and procedures that are in place that must be followed in cases like Elnaz's, ranging from providing resources for a safe house while police investigate, along with other resources to ensure that person's safety. This was not done in Elnaz's case as far as anyone knows because she was able to just move in with family where she believed that she would be safe in Wasaga Beach. And they're puzzled as to why there was no police surveillance on that house in Wasaga Beach, again, to ensure Elnaz's safety. As I researched this case and was like watching all of the news and her family interviews, I wondered if there were any other incidents that had occurred in Elnaz's life before the frying pan attack that nobody just knows of. Was this all a case of, if I can't have you, no one else can? Did Mohammed set up these hits so that Elnaz was unsuspecting of these unknown men who were approaching her? Because she did say that she had never seen those two men before in her life. Like, who could be behind this attack and the kidnapping? She was not the type of person to be involved in, like, anything shady. So all these things that are happening to her, she did not bring upon herself. Elnaz's family released a message to her captors saying, just please let her go. If you spent enough time with her, you would understand that this is a wonderful, kind, warm, educated, charitable woman. Just please drop her off. No questions asked. We just want her to come back alive. She doesn't deserve this and either does her family. 
Elnash Hajitamiri is five foot three inches tall. She has a slim build and shoulder length dark hair. Any information leading to the captor of that second suspect, Harshdeep Binner, or any of the three men involved in her kidnapping are asked to call authorities at 833-728-3415, or you can report any information anonymously to Crime Stoppers at 800-222-8477. Please share this case with somebody today and use the family's official hashtag, Bring Elnaz Home. Her name is spelled E-L-N-A-Z. You can also follow the family's official Instagram at Bring Elnaz Home. She has such a strong army behind her of family and friends. Her uncle said that there are over 125 family members in four different continents who have dedicated the last 90 plus days of their lives to finding her and bringing her home safe. You guys, let's join them. Bring Elnaz Home. Thank you so much for joining me today. I will see you guys back here next Friday with a brand new episode. Bye, guys.